We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. <laughs> yeah, so funny story about that bow and arrow. It's, it's traveled with me a lot of places. So I got this bow and arrow. I got the bow and the arrows in the Amazon's jungle uh, in Colombia, uh, close to the border of Brazil. And my team and I uh, were down there, uh, you know, during a deployment and during patrols, I ran into, I would frequently run into indigenous tribes down in the jungle area. And I was always intrigued by the bows and the arrows and the, uh, and the uh, uh, blow darts that they would hunt with because they would carry them with them everywhere. And these, and I have one of the blow darts and it's huge. It's about seven feet long. And I said, man, I gotta, I gotta bring one of those back to the States with me. This is awesome. So I, I, I got a hold of one of the guys and, and, uh, and I made a deal with them. I said, Hey, uh, I don't know what I gotta do. I trade, you know, cause you know, money wasn't really you know, that valuable to them. They did a lot of bartering. So um, I had them made me this bow and these arrows, man, and it works awesome. I have no idea what type of wood it's made from, but it's strong as hell. <laughs> so you have a handcrafted bow from the Amazon made by an indigenous tribe. That That's that's amazing. Like, yeah. that's really, really cool, man. It's a true story, man. That's all, And I'm more, I'm not more interested, but I'm also interested. Tell me about the, the blow dart, man. Like that's gotta be. Do you have one? I do, man. It's it's hanging <laughs> up right there. Yeah. Uh, have you, you ever have you ever tested it out? All the time. Oh. Man. <laughs> yeah. So ski, ski wants to ask what it's like when it hits somebody in their neck. Right in their jugular, man. Dude, it'll, it'll take somebody out. <laughs> so you see this right here? Holy cow! This oh. is the uh, this is the blow dart right here. They even made me a little carrying case Dude. for it. Dude, damn. Uh, the blow dart is is too is too long for me to show you but they will hunt with these blow darts man and i've seen them take out birds monkeys so what he's showing us because you guys aren't going to be able to see it it's about probably 12 inches long it's got like what looks like cotton yeah some, some type of material on the end that that's what gets stuffed down in the tube and thing looks lethal and what's yeah. really cool is those tribes, they utilize a lot of plants in the wilderness that come out of the jungle. And certain tribes know how to make poison for the tips yeah. of those arrows, right? And they cook it up, and they actually use that stuff to barter with, with other tribes and stuff like that. So well, that's really cool, man. Yeah, they get, I'm a they little get, jealous, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's all good, man. They, they get the uh, – actually, I had them tell me the whole process. So they get the, the, the poison off the back of a frog. I don't know the name of the frog. I don't recall the name of the frog, but uh, they would they would dip it in. He offered to give me darts with with the poison. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, man, man, I, I'm already gonna have a problem sneaking this back on the plane, man. So. <laughs> like I just dip it in bleach when I get back to the states, man. <laughs> but but I, I, I'll tell you what I'll do, man. I'm gonna one of these days I'll take it to the backyard and I, and I'll I'll take a video of it and yes. I'll send it to you guys. We'll drop it on social media. Man, that's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, before we get way in depth and, and 
and figure out who what we got going on tonight. So you hear Ski talking and asking a really good question because it was driving him nuts apparently. But uh, who we got on the, today is the uh, one of the founding members of Triple Nickel Clothing Company. You actually heard me talk about it when we were talking to Jason uh, Ramos, the smoke jumper, for one of, on one of our last episodes. And I actually talked about Triple Nickel, the history. Uh, well, I didn't talk about the whole history, just a brief history. But I talked about the company, the clothing company out. So who better than to talk about it than our buddy Ruben, who's on here tonight. And you just heard a little bit about him talking about that bow. But we're going to get into how uh, a dude ends up, you know, downrange getting blow dart guns and bow and arrows uh, from indigenous populations and, and being able to uh, do the things that he's done. So, Ruben, if you don't mind, man, can you just mention just a little bit about your military history? And when I say a little bit, just tell us about the, the last uh, the, the unit you were with when you went down there. And then we'll, we're going to work our way backwards because uh, Ski likes to hear stories about all the way back to uh, training and, and uh, sometimes soldiers doing some really stupid stuff and that sort of thing. But can you just kind of tell us about uh, the last unit you were with or the unit you were with when you got that bow and arrow? Yeah, sure. When, when, I, went, when I was in Columbia, I was, a, I was part of uh, seven special forces group. And at the time I was an 18 commander. So uh, for, the, for the listeners who aren't familiar with, uh, with the military and what all that means is in my career, I spent it, uh, the latter half of my career, I was a special forces officer. And that's just fancy speak for a guy who wears a green beret. You may see the toys in the store. Remember the John Wayne movie or, you know, Chris, Hem Chris Hemsworth, Thor, the guy who's Thor. You know, he plays my character in the movie 12 Soldiers, you know. Um, oh, come on. Oh, 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 man, why are you trying to just breeze by that? Let's back <laughs> up a second. See, this is this is what I'm talking about, man. This dude's humble on, on uh, social media. I'm going to pause it for a second. Do you mind telling us about that? Like, so he played your character in the no, movie? No, no, not, not literally. That wasn't me. What I'm saying okay. is the role that he played in that movie that was when I was in Colombia. That was my role. Oh, uh, okay, I got you. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, yeah, you know, because some people, when you say I was in special forces, they'll automatically think, "Oh, I mean, was, were you a ranger? Were you a Navy SEAL? Um, yeah. You know, whatever it is that they see on TV." But there's so many, there's so many different special operations forces. But in the army, that is our literal job description is special forces and that's our branch so, mm -hmm. so and, and and that's the best way to describe it is like by movies because that's what people know yeah um most people i think when they're talking about it they'll say like you just said they'll be like oh special forces he's a navy seal yeah and, and it's always like no hold on back up tough guy you know and then you got to kind of break it down to yeah this is what rangers are this is what infantry is you know artillery this is what sf then you get into navy marines and stuff so uh, when I was a kid, it was always in like terms of GI Joe, like the action figures and stuff. It would be like, it'd be like, oh, that dude's a ranger. Oh, that's who Stalker. That's what Stalker was. That's it, man. I wanted to be straight guys. <laughs> right, right. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah, er, yeah. Everybody always like uh, who play with the toys identifies with with you know whoever they want to be. So, uh, see, so with Seventh um, Special Forces Group, sometimes I'll explain to people and just be like, yeah, SF is like sociologist with a rifle, basically. 
right? Because when we say uh, SF or Sioux Special Forces and Green Beret, a lot of people will immediately go, oh, those, those, those dudes are kicking in doors and just, sh you know, shooting and that sort of thing. It's like, yes, I'm quite sure that does go on, but the overall mission is basically getting deployed and, and building up a resistance force, right? I mean, for the most part, was that still yeah, accurate? Yeah, that's the, what we would like to say, uh, and probably the best way to describe the SF contingent is, you know, warrior diplomats. And if you look at the functions of the government and how we're, you know, arrayed around the world, you have the State Department that always has a presence with embassies and and it, it's projecting the, the U.S., you know, foreign policy on the military side. That's what SF does. That's why we're all over the world and we're maintaining that liaison with the governments, uh, with, with the with the security forces for that established government. And that's really the role of SF. And what's cool about SF and what makes it so unconventional is that we wear a lot of hats. You know, one day you can be kicking a door. The next day you're running a med clinic or the next day you're doing civil affairs or you're the or you're destabilizing a country. It's 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 so crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but no. I, I'm always curious, like what? Because you didn't start out in SF. I did not. Right? Yeah. So. What, what was it that kind of made you decide you wanted to go SF or you wanted to go that route? Because you were already in the Army, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, so was, there, was there anything specific, that, like anything that just kind of triggered and said, yeah, this is what I want to go do? I, I, I said it's a, it's a multiple, it's, it was multiple things, you know, that, uh, that, that led me in that direction. You know, growing up, I had a mentor who was my church youth group leader, and he was a Vietnam era SF guy. And I always thought that was cool. Um, go to his house for sleepovers, you know, for our youth group. And I would see his relics from Vietnam. And I'd be like, man, that's cool, man. What's up with that Green Beret? And he would tell us stories. And and, and then, uh, you know, the John Wayne movie was always popular during Veterans Day. You know, my mother, my mother, was uh, was an NCO. She she did twenty years in the army. Mm. She was, you know, man. She she worked in the hospital. She will tell you she's a straight up biggest bogue ever. She <laughs> never went to the field. She she did it to get us out of the island. She it was a nine to five. But so to have that contrast, I always thought it was cool. But it was nothing that was ever achievable because I always viewed those guys as so high. But. You know, I got stationed at Fort Bragg, my first duty assignment. And man, you're inundated by all the cool guys, man. And 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 then 9-11 kicked off and everybody's wearing beers on TV. I'm like, man, that shit is cool, you know? Um, I think it's coming back too, man. It's kind of overplayed now, man. Oh my gosh. You got yeah. tattoos in the beard. I'm actually skeptical at this point. Dude, yeah, <laughs> man, it's crazy. But like I, I don't know, I don't know where you guys were at when 9-11 happened, but man, when when 9-11 happened and, and we saw the guys on horseback and you just saw those images, man, it was – and that, that literally SF guys were rock stars. They were gods. And I was like, man, I need some of that in my life. So it was just seeing all of those events play out, being in a place like Fort Bragg where everybody 
is hard, you know. Uh, you know, I'm an airborne ranger at that point, and um, man, I just I'm I was pissing vinegar, man, and and I just wanted some of that. So that's I, I don't have a good answer for you, man. I just wanted to be cool. <laughs> that's exactly. It. So you mentioned your mom got into the military to get you off the island. Where'd you grow up, man? Uh, in Puerto Rico. So that's where I'm from originally. Yeah. Um, so I, English is my second language. I know I'm much of an accent, but you know, she was a single mother and we were broke, you know, typical story for a lot of folks, um, uh, coming out of, out of the Island or the Caribbean. And, and she joined the army, man. She joined when she was in her early thirties. It was, it was like that literal last resort. She had to learn English. And uh, me and my grandmother came and moved to the United States after she was settled. And, and she ended up making a career out of it, man. That's awesome. See, so yeah, when, when I now tell this story sometimes, so, uh, and people get tired of hearing it. But when I was in the Army and I was in, I got out just prior to 9-11. So when you asked where we were, I was in college when 9-11 happened. So I was getting a psychology degree. And I actually had debated on going back in. I, I thought I was going to get activated anyway and go back into an infantry unit. But at the time, I was like, ooh, you know, a, a guy I knew was like, hey, you need to check out PSYOPs. Like that. Well, at least that's what it was called then. I think it's rebranded now. But So I was looking at that. But what I was going to say about when you said learning um, English and, you know, almost like your trajectory changed when your mother joined the Army. So I had a guy in my unit that was from born in Vietnam. His mom had, had brought he and his brother and sister to California. When he gets to California, by, by the time he gets to California, he's eight years old. So he leave Vietnam when he's four. So he can speak Vietnamese, obviously. He gets stuck in an internment camp in um, Thailand, stays there for four years until they can finally get money and resources to get to California. He gets to California, he's eight years old, and he can't speak English. So now he's trying to, to go to uh, in a big city uh, and learn English, deal with gang members and bullies. And from the time he's eight years old, he graduates high school at 17. He learned English and graduated val class valedictorian. Wow. So I was like, damn. Well, a recruiter saw him a mile away and was like, how are you going to pay for college, tough guy? You know, he's like, oh, I, I don't know. Recruiter's like, hey. Sign right here. I'll give you three years in the Army. What do you want to do? My buddy told him, want to work computers. That's all he wanted to do was, like, work computers. Like, that was the big thing in America, you know. So the recruiter's like, cool. Makes him sign up for three years in the infantry. Oh, my So, of course, the, the first time I hear him telling me all this, we're digging a fighting position. And I'm like, quack, buddy, like, like, you signed up for three years to work on computers. He's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And I'm like. Dude, you're going to be digging these fighting positions. <laughs> We're going to be shining boots and, and shooting weapons. That's it. You're never going to touch a computer, man. So that was like his first lesson in one set. Sadly, sometimes recruiters lie to you. But the cool thing was the longer we hung out, the more we talked about life and growing up. And what I learned from him was, one, he came to America. Everything was stacked against him. And all that dude focused on was learning in high school, and graduating because he knew he wanted to go to college. He knew he couldn't afford college, so he went in the Army. And, I mean, this is a dude who is, like, a brand-new private and gets his EIB, Expert Infantryman's Badge. And I'm like, man, like, it just – it was like things just clicked for him because he was so intelligent. And now the, the moral of the story is that dude is making six figures 
in software, like software design. So he's designed two pieces of computer equipment that are probably in somebody's computer inside this room. Wow. So like, we still talk now, you know, and, and, and we'll talk about what, what to invest our money in, in stocks and stuff. But I love it because this guy's worth six figures in stocks. And then to go, man, you know, whatever, 40 years ago, he was born in Vietnam and everything was stacked against him. Now, obviously, it took hard work. It took some sweat equity. Uh, but for me, it's like anytime people ask me, should I go in the Army? What should I do? I always kind of tell them that story. I shorten it because I'm, I'm long-winded. But I tell them, like, just understand that the military gives a lot. You know what I mean? Like, you've you yeah. got to give 110%. And, yeah, it's, it's a sacrifice. But it can completely change people's trajectory. It so can. that's why, I mean, it, it's, it's cool that when you said your mom was an NCO – working in, in, uh, in a hospital for everybody that's out there that what we're, when we're saying NCO, we're saying non-commissioned officer, that's your sergeants. You know, so when you hear someone sergeant, sergeant first class, you know, staff sergeant. So, so those are the leaders of the soldiers. Like they, they keep them in line and keep the ship running. They're the backbone of the army. Yep. So that's just, I don't know, man, I, I always get excited when I hear about one women serving back then and the stories, you know, like I've written articles on, uh, female um, spies during World War II and stuff. You know, like the old days of the OSS from the predecessors oh, yeah. of, of Green Berets and stuff. That, so, yeah, that, those are the those are the granddaddies, man. Yeah, yeah. The Jetbergs. So, yeah, so it's so, yeah, exactly. Jetberg team. So, um, one of the things that I think is is cool about your company, and obviously when I'm when I'm saying triple nickel, everybody needs to go ahead and hit the Google machine and check it out. This is a, I will say like an apparel or clothing line, mm-hmm. but now you've got, is it three other founding members or three other business partners? Yeah. There's four there's, of y'all total, right? Yeah. There's four of us. Uh, if, if we look at us like Voltron, I form the head <laughs> and, uh, and then the other guys, man, they jump in and, and make sure I don't, I don't get as lost. So, <laughs> cause uh, you know, so yeah. So I got three other partners. Um, Rod Graham, who's out in uh, uh, Fayetteville, who, who's in Wilmington, North Carolina, he he and I were actually uh, we served together in SF. Man, he was actually my team sergeant, mm. so we go way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Chris McPhee, who's our marketing officer, and he's also a former SF NCO, uh, eighteen Zulu, coming out of third group, and then we have Curtez Riggs. Who, who's the only guy who was an, an SF guy, but he, he came out of recruiting command. And what's cool about Cortez, he's our B2B development. He is the owner uh, or the, the founder of, of, of the Military Influencer Conference, which is the premier conference for military influencers. Uh, this year it'll be in Las Vegas in October, which I'll send you the link. I think you guys should go, which would be cool. Okay, Get your podcast yeah, yeah. up there. Yeah, that's what. So that's what I was gonna ask. When you say military influencers, see, I'm I'm so old. Like I think about like what I don't even, I don't even think about like the military having a presence. Yeah. On, oh, you know what I mean? Like social media. But that's actually pretty cool. That dude. Yeah, man. Yeah. It it's a it's a it's a it's a rabbit hole. Some like uh, it's a it's a it's a cool. I think there's pros and cons to it. You know, with social media now, everybody has a voice. But mm-hmm. I think with uh, there's a lot of uh, particularly veterans that want to just get out there and be veteran everything man personally i'm a little bit veteraned out 
But, uh, <laughs> but man, there's a lot of people out there, man, selling selling their military story, man. Yeah. And companies are buying that stuff up. <laughs> and that was my reference earlier. When you have a beard and tattoos, I'm skeptical because I know that was gonna offend somebody's gonna be like, "I got a bro, beard and tattoos," but man, don't even get me started, bro. <laughs> That's funny, man. But so, just for the record, that wasn't a jab at anybody. <laughs> but that goes yeah. along with what you were just talking about. Well, it, it is true that I think one sometimes people can exaggerate, and then two, it's almost like falling into the stereotype. Mm-hmm. So. The interesting thing, when I got out of the Army, they were telling us not to put on our resumes that we were prior military and telling us to, to downplay that if anyone mentions it in a job interview. And here I am, it's like 21-year-old dude coming out of the Army going, well, what was the point? Like, I, I, I bettered myself, but I thought that would help me get a job. But at that time, the idea was you, you when, when someone comes out of the military and they get hired, if they're barking orders – and you're giving the knife hand to everybody and they're still so rigid and they're like a lifer, you know, yeah. that that stereotype plays on. So it is interesting. Like when you say that, 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 that like you said, I'm, I'm played out with the veteran thing because of that. I think it's, it's kind yeah. of like if, if someone says, you know, Oh, you a green Bray immediately, they're going to picture a certain image or a certain idea. And like, I guess that's the running joke now is the, the long beard, the tattoos. The, oh yeah, man. You know. it, it, yeah, we, we joke about it all the time. But, you know, pre, pre-9-11, it wasn't cool to be in the military. Nobody mm-hmm. – I don't want to make an objective statement like that, a subjective statement like that. But, you know, the majority of the people didn't join the military or think about joining the military pre-9-11. It was like a last resort or mm-hmm. it was some sort of obligation because your family tradition or whatever. Let me ask you a question, man. I want you to answer this 100% honest since we're talking about stereotypes. Yeah, man. You looked at BC and didn't know him, (laughs) and you had to guess, like, what he did for a living. Where are you going with that? You know, man, BC went – okay, first off, he looks like a grunt, right? So, to me, he – I don't know. Were you in the infantry, BC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like military wise, man, yeah, he's man. He, I can, I can see him being eleven brow, eleven series all day long. All right, and, and um, and definitely, I can see him being law enforcement for sure. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ski, yeah, ski, yeah, yeah. Ski's like, I'll do your taxes. He thinks I can, I can do your taxes. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> you know, man, here <laughs> in San Antonio, he a looks lot of like our, he works at like a record store, and he's like always talking about good coffee or something, man. Oh man. You you, you should see our, our law enforcement here in San Antonio. Uh, a lot, yeah. yeah, you you could definitely be law enforcement for sure. Oh, yeah, he he he. I just like to pick on him, man. He, hey, he's seen me too, like nerded up, man. Like I can walk into a room and I already I already get that vibe, but man, I can really I can turn it on. Start using some stupid words and stumble around and stuff. I got a pretty funny story. We were at the academy one day, and this was when BC and I were on the gang unit together. And we're in the bathroom uh, washing our hands. We're doing something. <laughs> and some recruit walks in, and BC stops him. And he's like, hey, man, he said, what, what unit do you think I'm part of? And, and, and the, the, the recruit's like, you know, they'll call everybody sir, and they're all timid. But he's like, uh, I believe you're part of the bike unit, sir. <laughs> That's As BC, man. Bicycle. All day long. <laughs> like a bicycle. He didn't look like a gang cop, man. This, no. this kid was like, yeah, you're definitely a bike cop. No, no. <laughs> I, I can use, see, I use I can see you on the uh, highway patrol, man. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I can. Now I can turn it on. Like I said, I can. If I'm doing like a, a conference or I'm presenting to like a large group in a class, I, I'll be professional and turn it on. But uh, yeah, when I'm off, man, I try to. I try to downplay it. I don't wear like blue line stickers or shirts. You know what I mean? Like I don't want everybody being like, "Oh, that's a cop," and then you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when you were talking about like the army though back then in the '90s, it wasn't man. Like for me, when I joined. Same thing. People were trying to talk me out of it. Yeah. Teachers, like the teachers were, it was almost when I would, when I would say it, I was proud. Cause I was like, man, this is all, it's what I want to do. Like I've, I've always wanted to do this, but the teachers were like, Oh, almost like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like it, what? It, you know? And it, and it was like, well, you know, you're, you're not going to go to college. You're just going to go in the army. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Cause they pay you to do it fun stuff. You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was not cool, man. It, it completely different environment than today the veterans didn't have all these discounts everywhere um like 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 we enjoy today and and it the vibe was just different man um you know we it was just different man yeah they denied me getting into a bar i came home on leave dude i don't even drink you know what i'm saying like I, i i grew up with some wild dudes but so i would always go to bars with them but i don't even drink so we go to get into a bar, and I, I use my military ID like a dummy. And the bouncer's like, nah, that's, that's not going to work here. Wow. So I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we don't, we don't let soldiers in here. I was like, oh, hold up, hold up. I can't come in this bar because I'm in the military. He's like, yeah, we get in too many fights with y'all. So, yep, man, I, I was so gonna, you can't come in. I was going to chime in on that, man, because you've been to Jacksonville, North Carolina, and down down in that neck of the woods, too. I have, yeah, At I some have. point, I'm sure. Well, I visited the beach down there a few times and this and that, and there ain't nothing worse than having a good night and, like, 18 Marines come walking in. You're like, son of a bitch. Because like, in, like, 10 minutes, all the damn bar stools are going to yeah. be flipped. Pool yeah. pool cues are going to be broken on somebody. And yes. Yeah. Just the cuffs, man. Yes. So, yeah, I, I'm the one that's like, hey, hey, these dudes are about to come up. Don't let them in, man. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in, in the 90s, that was when the Army was really trying to clean that image up. Like, I can remember mm-hmm. our first sergeant would, would I don't want to, he would just basically be like, don't get caught. I don't care what you go do. Just don't get caught. But the company commander, you know, would be like, don't go out getting drunk. He, yeah. he made up, like, business cards that every soldier was in. It was an inspectable item, and it was a DWI card. And so you carried that card, and it said the wording on there, basically, I am a soldier in this unit and had your unit. And it's yeah. like, if you drive me to this address, the staff duty officer will, will pay for the cab yeah. or whatever. So that was like, and I still have it because, obviously, I didn't drink, so I never cashed it in. But, but it was that, it was just that bad. It was the fights, the DWIs. But... Like you said, that was the stereotype. But then again, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, a lot of times when I went to bars with buddies in the Army, dudes wanted to fight. I was like, this is why I leave y'all in the barracks, man. Like, y'all don't y'all don't know how to act, man. You get out in the city, and it's just like, this is civilization. Like, yeah, stop yeah. stop acting like But this. Ruben said, fuck around, you're going to get a blow dart in the neck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think we'll take you out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'll it, take you out. <laughs> So, so would, how long have you had the company up and running? So we, what are we in July? So we are right around 18 months. So it started, we went live November 11, 2020. So we wanted to do, 
we wanted to do and, and don't take me wrong i said i'm veteraned out that doesn't mean that i'm like anti-veteran for those out there like dice and everything what i mean by that is is uh i don't throw it in people's face like hey bc ski did you know i'm a veteran no <laughs> right so yeah. but yeah we 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 launched november 11 2020 and it was it was it was uh strategic and why we did it and you know and, and the reason i don't know if this will be a question but i just go straight into it but the reason i wanted to start this company uh because I just didn't like what I was seeing. So January 1st, 2020, I did not wake up or make a resolution to start an apparel company. You know, COVID hit in February and, you know, I'm already a business owner and my business slowed down and it just gave me the opportunity to surf the internet a lot at home with my kids while they were stuck at home. And all I kept seeing was a lot of different veteran owned theme companies spewing some crazy stuff and i said man what in the world is going on this is this is just dumb mm -hmm. so I, I just didn't see a lot of the values that you know i grew up with that me and my friends grew up with in the military and i wanted to instead of just bitching about it i said well man let's just create something and, and do something different and that's really what spawned the idea of triple nickel so we decided to launch it on Veterans Day 2020, and man, here we are, 18 months later, still in business, surprisingly. Yeah, and that's what we always hear, like people saying, if you can survive that first year, you're, you're, you're usually going to be all right. You know, now, I don't know. I don't, I don't own my own business, but that's what, do, that's, <laughs> yeah, what that's what they say. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, probably people saying that that have failed companies. I don't know. But, man, I, I don't know, man. But but I will say when when you guys started and y'all did a video, like one of the first videos, I was still learning social media. Like I never had social media until I started Instagram like two years ago or something. So mm -hmm. I was like, I had a huge uh, learning curve. But I sent uh, Ski here because we've always been scheming behind the scenes about stuff like this with the disruptors and how we would eventually want a podcast and clothing apparel and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but I sent him that one of the first videos we are basically talking about just being positive. And I think there was like some, some references to like just bringing it back to the old, old school and stuff. So I was like, yeah. man, these dudes are like, I didn't, I don't even think I knew that y'all were prior military at the time. I knew that y'all were digging like, like hip hop. Like it was always references to like hip hop and just to music yes. and like the love of music. So I was like, ski, these, these dudes do the same thing that we're doing. Like they're always talking about, music being positive kind of, I, I think sort of like what you were alluding to when someone is constantly spewing negativity or is just overbearing in any type of company like that like a like a if a veteran owned company is pushing out um negativity or what like that just that wasn't if that wasn't the army that i knew that wasn't like the soldiers that i worked with they were always like positive right. like just give us the problem and we'll we'll fix it you know what i mean yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. And and just to, to, to be, you know, to the point, it was so what I saw was the equivalent of, you know, if, you, if you're doing a, you know, your morning running cadence and the, the same cadence is like napalm sticks to kids, you know, over and over. As I looked at the, the, the theme across the, the, the companies was it was very violent oriented. 
you know, very heavy on the guns and heavy on the violence and just heavy on the hate. So what we wanted to do was just take an opposite approach. You know, we we love music. We love hip hop. And, you know, that music is common ground. And we we made a conscious effort to stay away from weapons and guns and just keep it positive. So so we just went the complete opposite way of what we saw that was, I guess, trending in that in that community and try to do something different. Yeah, I I like it. That's what I'm saying. It's like I I just like the idea of and people could go, Oh, it's just a t shirt company or it's just a hat or it's this or that. But it's like, no, nah, it's they say a brand for a reason. You know, people are like, Oh no, that's that brand. It's this, you know. But that was my thing, like right off the bat, like, this is what I dig. And y'all have a shirt design. I think it may have been one of the first shirts I ordered, but it was the one not my flag. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I love it, man. And it's uh, I, I did a I remember put, putting a doing a post about it. But it's like a like a, a fist holding a Confederate flag, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. every finger of the fist is like a different pigment, like a different yes. shade. And man, when I when I bought that shirt, I was like, if this shirt doesn't speak my background, because I grew up in the South. I don't know if everybody knew that, but just hearing my accent, like I grew up in the South, right? And since I can remember, people would equate the South if you look like you're a white dude. Hey, that guy's a racist because he's from the South. Unless you're from the South. You know what I mean? Like then people who grew up in the South, like that's not true. Like really, there's a, a probably a lot more diversity in the city that I grew up in than maybe in other cities. You know what I mean? Where neighborhoods are kind of sectioned off and stuff. Yeah. So when I bought that shirt, though, I remember wearing it and people making comments. And oh, it was yeah? cool. It was cool because it would be like, man, I love that shirt. <laughs> it was like really southern, like hardcore <laughs> dudes. But they lived the same way I did. It's like our whole lives, people have been assuming, you know, that we are a certain way. So it's like this idea of I can have a southern southern accent. I can love this region. I can really love the culture of people being cool with one another. And still send that message of like, look, like this is this is not like this, this is my flag, right? That for me, that's that was the message for me. And so when I wear a shirt, like that's I don't wear just regular t shirts. Like I always wear either band t shirts or a company I support or if they got a message on there. So that was like the one I remember when I posted it and people were like, Hey, where can I get that shirt? You know, especially like southern people, like, I need that shirt. Oh, I appreciate that. That that one was uh, that one and we got we got a lot of uh we got mixed reviews, you know. We got some, uh, uh, we got some heat for for it from 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 folks who didn't didn't appreciate uh, us mm-hmm. talking negatively about the uh, Confederate battle flag, and and we got a lot of love from the people who obviously uh, yeah. took a stance against it. But yeah, yeah one it, of the bigger ones. It, my, my my whole life, people will would start telling me a history story about. It. I'm like, I I got it. I understand what you're trying to say to me. Yeah. I'm telling you that that's not to me in my eyes. And I'm, I'm not an idiot. I do read history. I actually read quite a bit of it to me. That's from day one. That's what it represented to me. It was always hate. It was division. It was a war fought on our soil. So I'm like, I don't, I don't get this when I'm running from Nazi skinheads in the eighties when I'm a little kid, guess what flag they got on their flight jacket. 
they got a confederate flag and then they usually have some type of a swastika or something like that on the other side of the jacket so it's always like it's always been that way i've, ne I've never understood that but that's my perspective so that's that was like my introduction like all right like this is what i'm talking about like have a company have a message and bring and bring people together none of this uh we're going to kill everybody. Like the old shirts, like kill them all and let God sort them out. Like yeah, that was, was the only army shirt we probably saw when we were kids. Right? It's played out, man. Yeah, it's played out. It's terrible, man. It, it's like the, uh, the old, uh, when you go to the, uh, PX or something, man, and, and the, uh, the old U S army veteran hat, man, it's played out like that, man. The yeah. dude in the, in the hover round. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, but, <laughs> Hey, give it like another 10 years and that'll be back, man. Them big, Big hats with like the uh, gold leaf things on the on the brim of the hat. Y'all can bring. Oh, we're trying to change. We're trying to change all that, man. It's, we, uh, but that's a, but that's the thing. Like, it's I don't want that image out there. Like, I don't want people assuming that because the loudest mouth says whatever it is, you know. And then if someone says, "Oh, well, that person was in this unit and did all these missions," like, okay, well, cool. But that does not mean they speak for me or anyone else, you know. Or like Ski said, like. Yeah, there are a lot of bar fights <laughs> that get started by soldiers and Marines and stuff. I mean, sadly, <clears throat> that happens, but it's like anything. We can clean it up from within. That was our, our thing, at least when I was in the Army. That was the big push, like I said, that you would try to check, you know, check each other and just be like, hey, man, like, remember, everybody knows here because we got high and tights, you know, that yeah. we're in the Army. We can wear hats, but they still know we're in the Army. We need to kind of represent that, not not be out here trying to knock everybody's teeth out. But <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so what other what other assignments did you have in the army besides? I know we've talked about SF, but what <laughs> else did you do? Because when you say officer, that was another thing too. So if you can kind of explain to everybody like like what your what your route was, like what you did in order to become an officer, and then what units you were in prior to SF. Yeah, uh, I, I I had a very weird route. You know, I started out in the reserves. Uh, you know, well, I was one of those guys that didn't didn't have much panned out after high school, so I, I went into the reserves to to give me a, a cooling time to figure it out. So I was a, a legal assistant, which is, I believe was a seventy one Delta at the time. And what that means, and I just wrote memorandums for for lawyers, uh, you know, for JAG officers. It was it was. From a non-military guy, 71 Delta just sounds badass. <laughs> Man, exactly. 71 Delta, like, damn. It was a... Memorandums. Uh, horrible. <laughs> Not, it was a, the most chair-driven chair, chair -driven job ever. But I, I just... I, I be, This was before the era of computers and word processors, so I worked a lot on typewriters, just writing memorandums for, for attorneys, and I uh, quickly did figured out that that was not what I wanted to do. So I went to college. Um, I, I got commissioned. I went into ROTC, got commissioned. And, you know, uh, back then, again, pre pre 9-11, if you were a pretty in shape guy, I mean, man, you you, you wanted to jump out of airplanes and, 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 and be that dude, you know? So everybody's competing to to be an infantry guy, to go to Fort Bragg, that is the number one destination for for officers. And for the listeners who don't understand, like you were explaining, you got the non-commissioned officers, which is the backbone of the military. They are the ones who keep the consistency. Uh, they keep the military moving. 
they keep the military from not being lost by the officers who are just walking around lost most of the time. But, you know, the officers, you know, we were the planners and, you know, the guys in the office, you know, making decisions and the, and the NCOs are executing that. So I went in as an infantry guy, uh, went to the 82nd and, um, and, and lived down my fantasies there, you know, being, being, being the grunt guy, being the airborne ranger guy. And, and, um, and, you know, like we mentioned before, that's kind of where I started my trek to go into SF. So, um, that's my progression into the military and how that worked out for me. Um, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing cool, really just, <laughs> but, it, but it is, that's so <laughs> like, okay. When I was in, I, like you said, it, all the cool, cool guys were SF. Like I, I can remember meeting guys from fifth special forces. Okay. And, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And fifth group were like, cause I read about green berets and stuff, but like to meet people in person, were the were actually the only people I'd ever met in the army that were relaxed. <laughs> Everybody else was like wired tight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like that was always really impressive to me to see dudes with like grown out hair. You know, like one guy's got his M4 over his shoulder, holding it by the barrel, just just like, hey, what's up, man? We're gonna be working on this range today, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, and he was a captain. So he's just talking. I'm like, I'm freaking out because you know, captain in infantry is like straightforward you know like i said like wired tight like when they walk yes. in the room everybody's snapping to attention and like i don't really remember a whole lot about my company commanders because they never really talked to us because it was so so regimented but i was always drawn to that idea of like sf where they are mastering their weapons and like you said earlier like understanding culture and then you know getting deployed and just mastering all these things and not just how shiny can I get my boots and how, yeah. how, how crease can I, and that was kind of one of the things that turned me off after a while in the army. It was like, okay, I only got a few options I've got here. So it's either be a drill sergeant or go SF or get out, go to college and, and be a cop. Yeah. So, so just like you, you eloquently laid it out, you know, it was, so that's the same approach that we've taken to with, with the company is, you know, it, in SF, it's a, it is a completely different world. I, I don't know what it's like now. I, I imagine it's still the same. You know, I've been out for a while now and the military moves so fast. Once you've been out for a while, you know, your relevancy really goes out of the window with, with what's going on today. So I can't speak for the unit today, but when I went in in the times that I was in, it was a different world and it was a lot more relaxed, but you're dealing with, uh, you know, it's, it's like we, we used to say, you know, we're in the NBAs, no boys allowed. And mm. and that's the way that's the that's the attitude that we have with Triple Nickel is is you're bringing something that's unconventional to a very conventional space. So when we talk about the the the, the, the veteran, the long the LEO community, it's very left, right, left. Um, like like Ski said, you know, everybody looks like Thor with tattoos <laughs> Or, you know, yeah. um, you know, all these, you know, I'm not going to name these companies, but you see them, right. you know, yeah. spokesmen, they all look like Thor yeah. <laughs> or, or Chris Pratt, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, and that to me is just it's 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 a little played out. You know, yeah. there's guys that look like you. There's guys that look like ski guys that look like me. And in reality, 
that's who's there. Um, and, and there's females out there too, and they do it just as good as guys. So, you know, I want to be able to have my kids, if they want to go into the military or law enforcement or some type of public service to be able to see people that look like them so they can aspire to be that, um, you know, cause I remember when I'm growing up, I didn't think I can do these types of things. Um, <laughs> because I didn't see anybody that looked like me in that space. So yeah, yeah we're flexing for those yeah. who watched. Yeah, that's right. He was showing me his muscles. I, I had load up, man. my son's yeah. back. Yeah. yeah you, so, so it's the same, it's the same way in Copland. Like, you know, people go, Oh, uh, you know, the only thing like a lot of people equate things to are like SWAT, you know, oh, SWAT is like the greatest, you know, patrol officer or or the greatest aspect of police work. And it's like there's so many facets of police work and you can walk into a room and meet like the most effective detective that you'll ever meet who's flipping, you know, dudes in the gang informants and they're building these huge cases and stuff. And then you find out, you know, when you meet this person, it's like, uh, whatever, 30-year-old, uh, you know, female from wherever, Wisconsin or something. Just pick a place. And you're like, oh, my my idea was always a dude with a goatee and like a chain wallet or something like from the movie Narc or something, you know. So it's the same thing that it doesn't translate that way. Like in the real world, it's cool because you do have so much diversity. It, you know, yeah. you, you walk in and you're like, oh, this unit is – is badass because of that because the dude with the beard who looks like thor for whatever reason this dude's turned him off but then you get a guy like me maybe i walk in push my glasses up make a reference and talk in the nerdy voice and and make fun of myself and then the dude's like oh i can i can work with you but you got to get you know wwf champion out of the room you know what i mean so it's just it's one of those the one of those things I, i think is cool it does it gives a voice to everybody which is kind of thing same thing we do like and we make these lists and we're like, who are the disruptors out there? Like we're, we're disruptors in different ways and different levels, but it's like, okay, here's a company coming in and doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing. It's not dividing everybody. It's actually uniting and bringing people together and being like, Hey, this is the positivity. You know what I mean? So, Oh yeah. Uh, we're, we're all about that, man. And, and uh, yeah. I know we, we talked a little bit before the show started and, and uh, I wish if our timeline worked out better i can talk more about what we got coming up but it'll it'll soon be released but we're in this period right now which we're calling operation kilo papa um so operation kp and at the end of this period which will be july 31st we'll we'll release what we got going on and and it's for a company that's only been active for 18 months, uh, I like to say this is going to be pretty huge because it's really going to show and prove the concept that we're talking about. You don't have to always swim with the stream. Mm-hmm. You can go against the grain and do what the op- do opposite of what everybody else is doing because you know that's what people want to see. And I think nowadays people are so... People are so uh, ready for authenticity mm. and good stories that they're just tired of the same old, same old. So, um, man, I really wish. <laughs> <laughs> that just means we'll have to get you back on to talk about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, so, we'll, we'll post some stuff. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to help you out. Couple, I know what you mean, though. You're like, you got a real good announcement that you want to make, right? So I you do. Mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned you have another business. What, it, what else do you have going on? Are you all self-employed? I am, man. I, I haven't. See, that's cool, man, because I think, and we've talked about this on a couple other episodes, um, so many people just want to chase that dream but don't have the courage to do it or the knowledge or the know-how, man. That's why I'm asking. It just, I'm intrigued by people that work for themselves and kind of just do what they do. Yeah, I've been a little fortunate. Um, you know, I, I, I own a vending company, like Vending Machines. Mm-hmm. It's a healthy vending company. Really? So, yeah, San Antonio Healthy Vending is the name of the company. And I started that after... So when I got out, I went straight into uh, an executive MBA program here at the U- University of Texas, which is two years. And, you know, I, I just needed to figure out how to be a businessman. I didn't want to work for anybody. I was kind of too far gone at that point. Like I was going to, you know, kill somebody or something. man. <laughs> so I, I just needed to learn how to do that, to communicate learn how to communicate as a civilian uh, again and not not be that typical guy, you know, we've been talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy. So that two year incubation period allowed me to to come up with the concept for the company, launch it. And I've been doing that. Um, so I honestly I haven't had a job since I've been out of the military. And I, good, dude. I want to I ask <laughs> a little more about good. this, man, because this is something that, that I've actually not exactly that, but the the healthy food vending machine that to me, that's genius, because if you actually pay attention to that world, uh, it's finally people are realizing how much shit we're eating and slowly killing ourselves. Right. So oh, what man. what's in a healthy food vending machine? <sighs> You can put whatever you want. So I <laughs> apples with flies flying around them because nobody. Yeah, nah, yeah. You know, I tried all that, man. I tried <laughs> fresh fruit. That does not work well. Everything, everything expires at different rates. But right. I, kind of what I've settled on, and here in San Antonio, we we're we're not the most healthiest city. Um, so it's about a sixty forty mix. Sixty percent healthy. You got protein shakes. You got you know, healthier baked chips, you got, you know, healthier bars, and then you got your 40% where you got big reds, um, sodas, because people will revolt, man, if you don't give them comfort food. So it's a mix. You know, I, 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 I started out pure healthy, but I quickly realized, you know, people, people don't want to be told what to eat. And as long as you just have an option that's, uh, that's different from the normal fare, I think anybody can can start a business like that and do fairly well. So, like in the South, man, if you had like like kale chips, and then like the very next one over was like a moon pie, that'd be like a home run, man. You get, there you go. There you get you your go. vegetables and then your moon pie, and you're good yeah, to go. Yeah. There you go. You you yeah, you let's start franchising, man. See how I'm <laughs> feeling this. You can't go hard. You can't go hard, hundred percent, man. Yeah. You know, well, the best part about it is like a guy like me would walk up. And I'd, I'd like check my six and be like, all right, nobody's looking. I go to get the moon pie, and then someone walk up and I go, oh, and I get the healthy chips. You know what I'm saying? Like then I then I got a, I got an option to be like, oh, I wasn't I wasn't getting my third moon pie for the day. Bro, when right. when I first started that company, 
I had my my first my first van. I had it wrapped uh, when I could afford to do so with San Antonio Healthy Vending. And the worst part about it, man, is people would judge me. Like, man, sometimes I wanted a burger, you know. Right. And I'd be in the drive-through, and people would be like, "Why are you getting that? You're supposed to be healthy." I'm like, I'm hungry, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to take the wrap off, man. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> you got different magnets, man. You throw on your plumbing magnets when you go to the cookout or something. Yeah, like bro. That. Moral of the story, kids, <laughs> don't wrap your vehicle. Just get a magnet. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. Like, people with, with well, one, they don't want to be reminded that they got to eat healthy sometimes. And then, two, it's like all or nothing. And and America's kind of set up that way sometimes. It's like in excess. Like, oh, you yeah. – it's like you're healthy. Oh, well, then I'm eating tree bark, you know, and yes. whatever ski drinks. You know, yeah. or, I'm, I'm, or I'm over here eating, you know, 12 Big Macs or something or whatever it is. So I had a – I had an officer on field training who was born in South Africa and his family moved to um, America, to uh, Florida when he was like a teenager. And he had never had one. He had never had soft drinks because where he lived. And then two, he, he, they didn't have vending machines. So this dude, he was a wild man. He's like, the only reason I wanted to stay in America is because y'all have vending machines. He's like at three o'clock in the morning, I could walk down with a couple of bucks and get myself a Coke and a candy bar at 3 a.m. Do you that is real freedom? Like that's all he would talk about. <laughs> that's why the dude stayed in America. It was all about vending machines. And I couldn't I couldn't keep him away from ours at work. But uh, anyway, really? yeah, it's it's the whole idea of businesses too, like you were just saying. You you set up this company, you figure out, okay, hey, fresh fruits not working or it's you know there's certain things going on and then giving people that option of you can get this somewhat healthy or this really really healthy or you know yeah i think we keep skirting around this topic that keeps coming up because i i like i like everything you're doing man like but bc's talking about the shirt and you kind of smirked a little bit and then then people getting on your case for ordering a burger and your in your healthy van food like why is everybody so freaking sensitive man <laughs> right like again man like we don't get we don't get political on this show and we don't we don't go down those rabbit holes that's gonna get everybody all upset but damn right everybody's so damn emotional about everything you believe that healthy eats vending machine guy was eating a damn cheeseburger like hey and you know the phone came out and they started taking yeah, pictures yeah. You know? yeah. Dude, uh, yeah man i i got so many stories about that uh, yeah man um I had my phone number on the van too, and I well, would. We're get... talking about a vending machine, right? Yeah, people are that upset. They are. They are, man. <laughs> I, I, I get. I've been threatened for fifty cents. You know, people will call, leave really nasty messages. You know, machine ain't fifty cents. I'm gonna whoop you up if you don't give me my fifty cents. Uh, <laughs> your driver, your driver, cut me off. The vending machine guy. Yeah, man, people people are very sensitive these they, days. I don't uh, know you were 71 Delta, man. That's right. I mean, that's don't right. mess with me. I will type yeah. writer you to yeah, death. Yeah. But like Bro. Ski said, nobody know like if they aren't in the army, they don't know you'd be like, I'm 71. All they hear is that 71 Delta, and they're like, I don't know what a 71 Delta Bro, is. You know what? You know what my you know what the final phase was in 71 Delta class or the, the school? You had to type 65 words a minute. That's hard. Ooh. You had a typewriter, bro. No whiteout. 
Oh, you're on, it, it reminds uh, me of you're on like the veteran disability for carpal tunnel or something. For like real? That. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, can't do that. I got the kung fu grip, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that reminds me of like, uh, but damn, now I forgot it. I'll come back to it. We had talked earlier about music. Yeah. And I had mentioned it earlier. So there's one thing like I like I that like I said earlier, like I like how y'all put videos up, you'll talk about music and stuff. For you, what are some of like the first memories of music or like some of the music that when you were either a kid or teenager like just really resonated? Like you were like, mm, like that you really dug it. Yeah, that's a good question. I like that. So, I, like, I remember my why I love hip hop, and and the first hip hop song I can remember when I came to the states was um, was Lottie Dottie by Slipwick, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. you know I was just learning English, and you know my 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 family, we always hung out. There's a Puerto Rican community. It was very small at the time, and we all hung out, everybody's learning English together and um, just, you know, biding their time. But man, when Lottie Dottie came out, I was like, oh shit, what is this, man? This sounds so cool. Unlike, you know, cause everything is salsa music, you know, growing up on salsa music, always loved salsa music, but hip hop was, was just different. And Lottie Dottie, and then when, when uh, Run DMC came out with Walk This Way with Aerosmith, that blew my mind, you know, seeing rock music, and rap music together that sold me from that day on from that day forward man it was like what 1984 yeah. 1985 yeah. dude man hip-hop hip-hop has been life man yeah uh, you just covered like three different genres though man you covered salsa and then you went into hip-hop and then you yeah. mentioned aerosmith so yeah it's a cool blend there yeah bro uh, music is a common ground that binds us all couldn't man. agree more so when you yeah like when you mentioned that about slick rick like I was a, a little kid in the South and dudes would come to school with little mixtapes mm -hmm. and it was like Slick Rick, I think Kid Frost, like just like stuff coming out of New York that you wouldn't hear it on the radio. Like cause right. we didn't have any, we had like a few main channels. So that was like our introduction to it. And I can remember listening to that even before I started listening to metal. And I was, I was young. I was in like maybe third grade. Cause that's what everybody was like into like the cassette tapes and stuff and, and breaking was big then like breakdancing, you know, <laughs> everybody's like watching crush groove and stuff like that. And then, and then all of a sudden you start to see throughout school, like everybody getting into it. So that was always like the, the, like you, we would bond over wrestling <laughs> and, huh. and music. So you get on the playground and someone's either beatboxing <laughs> or someone's getting body slammed. You know, that yeah. was like the, that was like the two things we we um, kind of like united over as little kids. Man, I just yeah. I just laughed out loud. I just thought of something. You mentioned uh, cassette tapes, man. I used to have this like little cassette tape carrier, and I remember when I was like maybe like ten or eleven years old, uh, my old man for Christmas bought me a bunch of cassettes, and he got like this was like when MC Hammer was big, so he got me like an MC Hammer cassette, got me a Vanilla Ice cassette. <laughs> He got me a NWA cassette as like oh, a 10-year-old yeah. kid. Clearly had no idea what it was. So, like, I didn't really know a whole lot about it. But I'm like, man, you know, like, MC Hammer was huge, so I could do all that. And then one day I pop in this NWA cassette, man, and my dad's like, 
what the hell is that? I'm like, dude, it's the thing that you put in my Christmas stocking. He's like, a, a bitch is a bitch. What? Like, going like. You sounded like. I'm like, you bought it for me, man. Hey, boy, what is that on that tape? <laughs> dude, that sounded like King of the Hill. It was awesome. It was like my old man bought me an NWA cassette at the age yeah. of 10. Hey, I, I, w- yeah. I would love to jump because. So I moved from Washington State, which was like at the very like beginning of the. Seattle Sound. I left Washington State and moved to Virginia Beach in the neighborhood College Park. So I was this like lonely white boy in this really like you know predominantly black neighborhood. And what nobody understood is like I didn't fit in, but I was into like Rakim back in the day, and nobody understood that. Like I listened, Rakim, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then back then, like I had Wu Tang on tape before anybody mm-hmm. knew it was, or like. Raekwon Cuban links looks like the purple tape original purple tape. I still have that somewhere mm-hmm. and I listened to that, but I listened to grunge and I listened to this metal, but all <laughs> yeah. everybody recognized was like, I was just like a white boy yeah. with a flannel and some boots on. See, that's the thing. Like, Meanwhile, well, I was so into hip hop, man. Yeah. Well, when it, when it hit for us anyway, like at that time, like you were talking about when slick Rick and all that first hit out, that was, that was before I'd probably say, you know, mid A's it's almost the same time you've got heavy metal mm-hmm. heavy metal was starting to get right. big but you also had the you know punk rock from the late 70s starting to to get a huge following across the US so by the mid 80s you got this huge punk rock scene in all these cities but it, but it was this whole other evolution as well where you were getting what what they like to call the grunge I don't like to say grunge because that's a marketing but again it was like the marketing aspect of music was blooming, but mm-hmm. there was also this evolution where the unity stuff was coming out into the punk range, but then yeah. out of punk was really blooming like that New York hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from hip hop was like the OG hip hop was coming forth with like PM Dawn, you know, mm-hmm. and then like the SWV in Vogue and those acts were coming around as well. Yeah. But it almost feels like, just kind of like to close that, what I, my thought was like, such a bloom of music, but it also feels like we'll never get back to that. Yeah, and I say everybody says that. I know. Everybody says, but it's because that's what we experienced. That's how so, you know you're old. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me, let me uh, ask you this, man. You're going out with your buddies. It's, it's Saturday night. You got the night off. What's that jam when you walk into the club when you're in your prime, man? Because one of my buddies, a sergeant I worked for, he said for him, when it was him and his boys and they were going out, like when he walked in, like Return of the Mac came on, like he said everything everything yeah. went into slow motion. Like he was doing like pointing at people, his shirt was blowing open. So like what's your jam, man? The new hit single, Blow Dark. <laughs> The return of the Mac. Hey. But, like, the way he told the story, man, like, I could see these dudes going out and, like, just, like, I'm like, yeah, I get it, man. I'm laughing because we we had, well, that's one of my business partners, Rod Graham. We had our first year anniversary party uh, in in December of last year, and that's his jam. And we had the DJ, and he's like, Ruben. You gotta play my song. Turn up Mac. I don't care what happens tonight. My song. <laughs> I love it. Hey, that's true. Like every every fifty something year old person, that's their jam. I don't know what it is, man. It's, it's just a song, man. I'm dying to ask you though. So it's I uh, good, man. One, good one of my 
real go-to hip-hop artist of, of these now newer days, I guess you could say, that I think still still stays true to the roots and the cause and the meaning behind what hip-hop is, is uh, Immortal Technique. Okay, okay. yeah. I'm familiar, but not like uh, I can't defend myself on on tracks, yeah. specifically on, on Immortal Technique. But yeah, he's guys like that are, you know, the back, what he used to call the backpack rappers, you know? Yeah, but I think um, now they're like, the backbone almost of like hip hop and the message. I, I get really deep into what like rap, what people call hip hop nowadays. That's just to me is garbage rap or trap rap that doesn't pay tribute appropriately to the origins of, you know, all the music in general. It's yeah. It's a whole yeah. yeah. Ruben said he can't defend that because he doesn't know a mortal technique the way ski knows vanilla ice. Because Ski can defend Vanilla Ice track for you track. Were, you guys were narrowing in on <laughs> ice almost. Stop. No, 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 no. You almost went into that verbatim. You're like, but look, if he's got a problem, you know, <laughs> I, I know. I, I, you heard it, yeah, right? I, know. I was like, what is happening right I now? Know. I know. I, I try I try to block. I can, play, I can play Vanilla Ice in three different methods. We have a, a metal riff that we wrote for it back in the day. Uh -huh. oh, we have the original, like, the queen, uh -huh. you know. Oh version. yeah, that they stole. Yeah, 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 that they yeah. stole. And yeah. then um, there's another like real like bluesy one that uh, mm -hmm. it's got Marty something plays on the guitar. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Ruben says his, his track is <laughs> not Return of Mac. No, no, no. But to answer your question, Ski, yeah. if if I was to walk into the club and it was like the perfect scene, uh, if Mystical Here I Go was playing, damn, as I walked in, man, game that, on. Yeah. Man, that's yeah. me growing my hair back, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. losing about 30 pounds on the spot. Like, yeah. yeah Don't even look at me right now. <laughs> can you? Can you... I'll, I'll type 70 words a minute. <laughs> <laughs> can you describe your hat to the, uh, to the listeners, Ruben? Yeah. So this is a, uh, hey, thanks for asking about my hat. Um, I love his hat. So this is my this is a, a bucket hat that'll be coming out in 2023 mm. from uh, from us. And if if you look underneath, this is our new this is our new pattern that's going to be in every hat. So we've been talking a lot about the backbone of the military, the NCOs. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the equivalent would be in law enforcement, but you see here, this is our little new design that is it sells a story of the company so you see right there you got e8 rockers the chevron mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we put that prominently on there because i'm surrounded by ncos all of my my uh my my business partners uh were e8s uh when they retired and uh you know it's by design again man to keep me from getting lost and uh, on here, you have the Crossed Arrows, uh, which is the Special Forces branch, you know, which tells a unique part of our story. You got a parachute because we're telling the story of Triple Nickel. And we all just happen to all start our careers in 82nd. We're all former parachutists. And then you have a Buffalo Nickel, mm -hmm. uh, which is significant of uh, Triple Nickel. Uh, that's symbology. So, and then in the background, you got terrain. Um, and it's all in a crosshairs. So that that that's what that's what's on here is this design set. From afar, it looks like a red bandana, but when you look close up, that is uh, just our story in a quick graphic design. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. I, that was the first thing when I glanced. I'm like, oh, but that's not the normal red pattern of a bandana. 
Like I've, yeah. I've looked at a few of them in my day. I'm like, yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad Jimmy asked. I was going to ask you earlier, and then I thought well, that'll be a good question on the. Uh, on the yeah, we're, we're working through some of the trademarking issues on it, so when it comes mm-hmm. out, uh, people can't steal it. Uh, yeah. But it's unique to it's it's unique to our story. So it's just again, it's just a talking piece. Like, hey, what's up with those arrows? What's up with that? It looks yeah. like rank. And it's just an opportunity to tell the story of the company. Like, hey, man, this is this is who we are. This yeah. is where we come from. Yeah, I <clears throat> I tell a lot of dudes on the block about triple nickel, like the unit, about Buffalo Soldiers, about anything, 761st Tank Battalion, like anything I can do to get a young guy to just be like, oh, that's history I've never heard of. Like, hold on a second. Like yeah. I had to do, I had to do, we switched conversations from talking about the block he stayed on and the, specifically these nine trade bloods that were just running amok. Like they were shooting, robbing, like it was just chaos. I'm talking to this dude and, and he's telling me, he's like, you know, yeah, you got some unprofessional officers, but you also got some really good officers too out there. So while we're talking and I pull, pull this book out and it's the 761st tank battalion, right? So uh, brother, brothers in arms by, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I'm like, I'm, I'm showing it to him. I mean, he's a young kid, so he doesn't he doesn't understand who the author is. But when I start showing him the pictures and talking about the history, you know, of the, of the Black Panther uh, tank battalion, man, his eyes are just lighting up, you know, and he's like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. Like, man, you're talking about, like, like sh- just straight-up history that everyone should read. Every American should understand all the units that fought in World War II, and especially, like, like this unit right here. And there were some direct ties to some people in the book that I could explain to him, too. Um, but that's like the power of that history. Like you're saying, somebody sees that pattern, they go, oh, and it catches their eye. But then they ask about it, and boom, you hook them in. And then it even, it even turns them on to something where maybe they start reading and start learning. Going, Man, this is, this is art. Like I said earlier, it's more than just clothing. It's, more, it's, it's history. It's Oh, yeah, no doubt, positivity. man. Positivity. No, I, I like it, man. You know, ho- hopefully, man, and uh, it, so we, we are – we're doing, we're in the process of a pivot and, you know, we're working with, uh, with an artist right now who's a, he's a pretty, he's a pretty renowned guy in, uh, in the military. He's one of those military artists who draws stuff, uh, like pencil art and oil paintings, but he is creating a triple nickel original print, um, for us. So we are working with him on that, on what we want it to look like. And it's going to be, it's about 65% will be World War II based. And the remaining, you know, 35% will be from the years post-World War II to present, you know, representing the lineage and uh, of, of from from the soldiers that came from, from that unit. Mm-hmm. So that should be coming out in October. And we're hoping to do, to be able to do more of that because people... People are able to, you know, uh, digest more through art, you know, whether yeah. it be through music, art, you know, the arts. So uh, his name is Michael Salovi. He, you know, check him out. He's got a, dang, he's got a great reputation. He's got some dope artwork, but uh, he's just starting on a piece now. And uh, hopefully by October, man, we'll be able to release that. Good, good. And like you said, the art telling everything, like you can just do one design, just like you said, and show the lineage. And that, like for for that guy, he saw that book, and that's what you know. The pictures, he was like, "Oh, I can I can relate to this." What you got, you know? So, yeah, yeah, because the youth, yeah, man, the youth of today, man, and it's no fault of the, of theirs, you know. But um, 
um, particularly in the inner city, there's a, a lack of, of historical databases on just people that came before them. Um, and, you know, for them, you know, there's, <laughs> it's kind of like the saying in business, man, you, there's not, everything has been created. There's nothing new. And for, for a lot of these kids, man, it, it, for them, they're doing, they're breaking new ground when in reality, there's been a lot of ground that's been broken before them. And unfortunately there's been no mentorship. There hasn't been a lot of mentorship there for them to understand that. So um, if we can just do that little bit, that little part, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy as a company. Yeah. I love it. Hey, where can people, where all can they reach you? Like on like website, social media, all that. Yeah. You can, you can go to triple nickel.com. That's, N-I-K-E-L. You can find us on any social media platform, triple underscore nickel, N-I-K-E-L. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, uh, Twitter. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're there. We, we post almost daily. I try to, and, and, you know, we're pretty active. Try to be even though we're old. <laughs> no, y'all, y'all are active. Y'all are doing it, man. You're doing the screen print thing, man. I like that. <laughs> I'm working, man. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ski, you got anything else, man? No, man. I, we always end it with uh, the most current mm-hmm. music or, or recommendations. So, what are you listening to right now, man? It doesn't have to be current, but just a good recommendation. Yeah, what are you to listening to? Like, oh, what, yeah, that's an easy one, right? Right now, man, the, the new Kendrick Lamar album okay. has got me has got me hooked. Um, I love it. Um, very original, very vulnerable. Um, very, very refreshing. I like it. I like yes. it. Yes. Digging it. BC, what you got? Dude, I, I will say that I'm, I'm going I'm to mention something old because I harp on it all the time. This is how I started reading a lot of history is go back and for some people to listen to Boogie Down Productions. You go back to a song called You Must Learn. Like yes. That was the first time. I started getting turned on the history and I was, I was a young dude. I was into punk rock and stuff and I loved understanding society and just the stuff going on. And when I saw that, I was like, Ooh, like this is, this, this is good here. So, and people, when they listen to it, people are like, Oh, this, I've heard people that, Oh, this simple is this. And that's like, nah, listen to that. Put, put on, uh, Boogie Down Productions. You must learn and, and, and message me. Right, that's what I'm gonna go with because we're talking about hip hop tonight. So I'm going with Boogie Cosine. All right, I'm gonna I'm going. This is just the feel I have. I'm I'm picturing Ruben walking into Mystical, but the way his night ends is, I'm gonna go with Outcast, uh, Spodiote, Dopealicious. Where you're so drunk, man, that you're just fighting the air. Right. And nobody, nobody wants to fuck with Hollywood Cole. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just feeling outcast right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Disruptors out. <laughs>